You are listening to the DIY Recording Guys podcast, your one-stop information source for DIY music production, with your hosts, Fadim Karaz and Benjamin Hall. All right, welcome everyone to another episode of the DIY Guys Recording Podcast. Did I not say that? Um, okay, let's start again. All right, welcome to another episode of the DIY Guys Recording Podcast. Did I say it again? What is it, the, D- the DIY Recording Guys? I can't even think of it now. Oh my gosh. All right, I got to do it one more time. I'll do one more, and if you want to leave it in, that's fine, but I'll just do one more for my own sanity. <laughs> DIY Recording Guys. All right, welcome everyone to another episode of the DIY Recording Guys <laughs> podcast. I almost said if you it said again. it again, I would. I think we would have called it an evening. <laughs> but I got it right. Oh my gosh! So I messed up the intro a million times. If a D might leave one of them in, but we're here. We're glad that you've all joined us, and we're here to talk about recording and how we can help you guys record your own projects. So what are we talking about today, Vadim? So last week we talked about the digital recording kind of signal chain and and what the signal, where the signal is going. Today we're going to talk specifically about the bits of gear that are responsible and we're going to help you make some decisions on which gear to, uh, to get. Let's talk about some gear, Ben. Finally, episode three. I know, I love it. Uh, so since we're talking specifically about digital recording, that's the most accessible way to get into recording. That's mostly what we're going to be talking about in these episodes. Uh, so the first thing I want to talk about is the computer. And you can think about your computer as your hub for recording. That's your digital uh, recording hub. So we don't want to skimp here on computers. Now, we did say with the caveat last week, uh, I'm a big proponent of just start with what you've got. Like, you don't have to go out there and buy the most amazing thing ever to get started with this. And in fact, if you're brand new, I kind of recommend against that. Just try loading on some recording software with what you've already got. And then through experimentation, you're going to figure out the limitations of what your computer can do and if you think you want to upgrade or not. But the worst thing you want to do, especially when it comes to gear, and I think this is a good caveat to mention starting uh, starting off here with this episode, is you can really go down these awful rabbit holes of spending a ton of money on gear. So you want to avoid that as much as possible because you're always going to be tempted, especially from marketing out there, that this next spec- this next thing is going to be the, the thing that takes your recording to the next level. So there's just always this pressure or temptation to go out there and just buy something. And we want to we want to avoid that. We just want to spend money on the things that we need, uh, but the goal is to record and not to acquire more things, <laughs> right? Does that make sense? Yeah, so good absolutely. good caveat here. Uh, so the CPU is kind of the brain of your computer. That's you might have heard of Intel, that's the processor. That's really the most important thing cuz that's the brain if you think of your if you can think of your computer as a bodybuilder, um, that's your one rep maximum lift is your CPU. Like how much how strong is it? How much work can it do it? 
at at one single time. Um, the next thing, and there's so many things we could talk about with this, but I'm just going to jump right into talking about RAM. So, Vadim, you had a good example of this, but before I have you give your example, I'll just explain RAM as it's kind of like your working memory. Um, and the more RAM that you have in a computer, the more your computer can multitask. And when you start to get into recording and you maybe want to, especially when you want to use maybe some virtual instruments to add some tones onto a guitar DI or a bass DI, or uh, if you want to load in some drum programs to maybe come up with a beat to help write your song, the more RAM you have, the better. It's going to help your computer multitask all these different um, software programs that are loaded at the same time that are very CPU intensive. So it basically just helps your CPU uh, deal with all the different tasks that it has to do at the same time. Um, so what was your example, Vadim? Yeah, yeah, to build on that a bit. So yeah, RAM, as you said, it's it stands for random access memory, and it's a it's a volatile memory, which means if you shut your computer off, whatever was stored in the RAM, you've lost effectively. It needs power to to store that information. And the analogy I saw that I really liked actually was, I think it was on the on Intel's website. The analogy they used was that RAM is like a workbench. So having more RAM is like having a bigger workbench. If you imagine like woodworking or something like that, you could put more stuff on the workbench. But at some point, it doesn't matter how big your workbench is. You could put a lot of stuff on it, but you're only one person and you can only do so much work. How much work you can do is kind of like the processor speed. So the analogy that was used was like having more RAM is having a bigger workbench. Having more processor power is like having a friend come over and give you a hand. Good. Ex I love that example. It's really good. Um, as you were talking about this, I also want to mention too in this episode, because you just reminded me with what you were talking about. So last week in episode two, we talked about the digital signal recording chain. And it's important to note with that, we talked about the most important parts of that signal chain. And so the further back you go in the chain, or the first things that happen in that signal chain are more important than the later things. So for example, if you're a singer, the quality of your voice, the quality of your performance is going to be way more important than anything that comes after that. Because there's only so much you can doctor up a, uh, a subpar performance. But if you have an amazing performance, even very affordable, cheap gear is, uh, is going to make you sound good because you have the, the humanness and you have the performance behind that that shines through. Uh, so the opposite thing with talking about gear this week is the reason I started with computer is because even though it might not be the most important thing with capturing um, music, it's also one of those things that because it can get expensive, um, if you don't have quality gear when it comes to a computer, it's a much more expensive upgrade or it, it takes a lot more to get to the next level. So even though it might not be the most important thing, if you maybe don't leave enough in your budget for getting something that's future-proof, then you're going to be hurting and it's going to take longer to get to that. So it's just something uh, It's something worth mentioning. Any thoughts on that, Vadim? Um, 
Yeah, I think you know the the thing with computers is that they, on the on the on the negative side, they go obsolete very quickly, right? Things move very fast. But being a step or two behind, what's kind of the latest and greatest is is totally fine in most cases. And we'll get into some specs and some of the factors to consider if you are looking to upgrade your computer. But in most cases, I agree with you. I think if your computer is less than five years old, you probably have enough processor power and enough RAM to to work on most digital audio workstations. Yeah. Okay. Cool. I agree with that. Um, and one other thought about RAM. RAM is pretty affordable. So I would say if you can afford it, max out the amount of RAM that you can get for your system. Um, in general, that's the advice that I've read. And I agree with that because, you know, brand new CPUs can cost upwards of four or $500. But I think you can get, you can get eight gigabytes of RAM for probably a hundred bucks. I think now it's somewhere in that vicinity, maybe a little bit more expensive than that, but um, don't forget about RAM. It, it is an important thing, especially in digital uh, audio uh, hard drives. So this is going to be where you store um, the operating system on your computer, where you store all of your programs, which includes your DAW, your digital audio workstation, all the plugins that you use to manipulate audio that we talked about last week, uh, as well as all of the, the files um, that get saved on your computer from recording all of the captured audio and tracks. And... I highly recommend if you can, um, if you're building a computer from scratch, and let's say that you have a PC and you have the ability to, to upgrade that, um, SD drives are the way to go. They're way more expensive, uh, but they're so fast and they're quiet. And that's another thing that we have to think about whenever we're, we're recording too, especially with mics. And we can get into mics later in this episode, but condenser mics pick up a lot of ambient room noise and i've definitely heard computer fan um computer hard drive spinning <laughs> in the background whenever when i've recorded before so keeping a quiet environment is important you get a lot of benefits with uh, the sd drives so my setup is kind of a hybrid of both of those though i've got uh two sd drives in my computer right now one i've got the operating system on and and a lot of the main programs, so my DAW and things like that. And then I have another SD drive that has a lot of third-party plugins. And uh, the reason I set it up that way is because I want my programs to be running lightning quick. Um, now, I also have a few very large old-fashioned hard disk drives that actually have the spitting disks inside of them. And the reason I do that is because uh, they're way more affordable to get way more storage space. And if you're doing a lot of recording, uh, you could fill up space very, very quickly. So with the amount of recording I do, having a professional studio, it's way more economical for me to have hard disk drives than it is to spend all that money to get tons and tons or tons of space in SD drives. So I kind of have a hybrid approach. Yeah, that's that's a good summary. So yeah, they're to to kind of Backstep a little bit. So there's HDD, which is hard disk drives, as you said, and there's SSD, which is a solid state drive. So a hard disk drive is kind of what we're used to seeing for years and years. It's a drive that spins. So it's a rapidly spinning disk, almost like a CD. 
And then there's a reader head that has to move around and read information off of that disk. A solid state drive is doesn't have that. It's basically kind of the memory is plugged directly into the, the hard drive, so to speak, and it's all stored on chips. So as Ben said, it's faster, it's quieter and more energy efficient because there's no moving parts. It's also more reliable from what I've read. It's less likely to fail as hard drives tend to do. And of course, it's more expensive, as Ben said. Um, but yeah, so the the consideration there, I think, is um, for one thing, if you're working with a portable setup, like if you're if you're going to get a laptop and you want to move around, consider going with the solid state drive for sure. Because yeah, first of that. all, yeah, it's less likely to crash. It's less likely to give you just the slowness headaches that you're <laughs> that you we all dread in the music in the music world. And also the battery life is fantastic. On on the couple of newer uh, like laptops and tablets I have with solid state drives, the battery lasts a lot longer because again, it doesn't have to spin a physical drive. Yeah. That said, if you're using um, a desktop, or if you're just going to have your computer parked, the consideration there is mostly price. As Ben said, you can get more memory for your dollar with a hard disk drive. Uh, but yeah, you have to consider the things like noise and the possibility of it crashing. I'll say just one more thing here on, on hard disk drives, the kind of the traditional wisdom is that if you're going to, you don't want to, uh, store your audio on the same hard disk drive that's running your digital audio workstation. So you, you want to consider if you're, if you're building a computer or something like that, having two separate hard disk drives, having one run your operating system and your DAW and have the other one kind of where the audio is stored. And again, that's a if you think about physically what's happening there, that drive is spinning around and it's trying to recall audio information as it's trying to run the computer. Um, it makes for a lot of kind of disk movement and it's just a less efficient, uh, less efficient setup. That's a good hack. Really good hack. I know a good way of thinking about that too. Um, yeah, I would say recommendations for space. Uh, the laptop that I'm talking to you right now on Vadim, it's also my mobile setup. And I went with, I had to pay a little bit more for it, but I went with a 500 gigabyte SSD drive. And I'm so glad that I did because it is amazing. After you think about um, the amount of space it takes just to load the recording software that I need to uh, to capture the ideas and manipulate audio, uh, man, I have filled up that 500 gigabyte SSD drive so quickly and had to dump it so many times. It's it's amazing. Like you think you're never going to run out of 500 gigabytes worth of space, but in audio, like those files take up a lot of room. So I would say there's a lot of um, computers out there I've seen that come with an SSD drive, uh, like a 256 gigabyte or 250 gigabyte SSD drive. And I would say that's not enough. Like I would say I would recommend going with a hard disk drive that's a terabyte or spend a little bit more and get a 500 gigabyte SSD drive. I totally agree. In fact, I'm looking as you're talking, I'm looking at a session right now that I've been working on. A typical session and I'm recording at 44.1 kilohertz. You can be at a, you know, 1.5 gigabytes is is pretty standard. So 
you know, once you talk about having your operating system, having your DAW, having all of your other files, it'll fill up quick with uh, just with just with audio, just with session audio. So yeah, I think a terabyte is a good, nice number. Uh, you can get away with less than that, especially we'll talk a little bit about, you know, if you're backing up to external drives or cloud computing, you might be able to get away with less. But memory is generally cheap in terms of, I guess, solid state might be a little more expensive, but um yeah, anyway, I think a terabyte's a nice nice round number. Yeah, it, I would say um, flash memory SSDs tend to be 10 times more expensive. So you can Is that expect right? about That's a lot. That's more than I thought, yeah. Yeah, you you can expect to get 100 gigabytes of solid state drive space um for the same price that you would pay for a terabyte essentially. Okay. Which is 1000 gigabytes. While we were talking, I looked this up. So just to give you an idea of like what some of the DAWs are requiring for computers, uh, Pro Tools is probably the most intensive ones out of all of them. So if you're good for Pro Tools, you should be good for everything else. So right now, Pro Tools is recommending 16 gigabytes of RAM as a minimum, and they're recommending 32 gigabytes if you can. Uh, they're recommending a hard drive of... Uh, well, they're not recommending a hard drive, but they're saying the installation alone is 15 gigabytes, which... Sounds crazy, but um, maybe it comes with a lot of like uh, audio how samples. Mu- how or much? How much? Fifty. Fifteen. One five. Fifteen gigabytes for the installation. Sounds like a lot. That sounds right to me, though. I mean, yeah, they take up a lot of space. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, that just gives you kind of the idea. Ableton Live is a little bit less than that. They have a minimum RAM requirement of four gigabytes. Although I wouldn't go with anything less than eight. Yeah, uh, today. I agree. Logic, same thing. And Logic is recommending a minimum of four gigabytes. Uh, so it just gives you an idea of uh, of what to consider there. Uh, and a f- final note too, I forgot that I had this note as well, but um, just a quick note on PC versus Mac. I, ah, I think, yes, of course. How can yeah, you forget? Yeah, I think in general, I would just recommend go with you're comfortable with, but this is the caveat. So Vadim and I are both PC users and I can't speak for Vadim, but for me, the reason I chose to go with a PC computer is two reasons. One, because I grew up with it, it's comfortable to me. And two, um, I really wanted to build something powerful at an affordable price. And what I was able to piece together piecemeal by building my own PC, uh, I think I put it together for right around $1,200 and it was the equivalent of a $2,600 MacBook or, or whatever, Mac, Mac Pro. So that's just something worth worth saying, and uh, you'll hear you'll hear hear the sentiment out there that, or maybe even just the idea that like, oh, Macintosh or or Mac Pros, that's that's uh, music industry standard, and I, I would argue with that that it's only the standard because most people use it, not for any good reason other than it just happens to be popular. So, your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think I think. Plenty of records we know and love have been made on both. There's there's no difference there. It is really just about which tool you you prefer. That's typically what I tell people. Although I do agree with you, just even looking at this today, researching for this, you know, if you could get look at comparable specs on the latest and greatest iMac and the latest and greatest something like a Lenovo, and you're talking about, you know, there's a 33% cost savings to go with with the Lenovo for pretty much identical specs. Yeah. That said, you know, people a lot of people love Mac and there's good reason for that. They have beautiful products, beautiful hardware, it's reliable, it's got a great form factor. So, the bottom line is 
go with what you know and what you're comfortable with. Agreed. Uh, okay, moving on to the next piece of gear that you need for digital recording, and that would be the interface. Now, we talked about this last week. Your interface is kind of your external sound card. It does analog to digital conversion that allows the audio signal you record to be read by your computer and then takes that uh, computer language, the ones and zeros, turns it back into an analog electrical signal that powers your speakers that you listen to and can enjoy music through your car, speakers, or headphones, whatever that might be. So an interface is a very important part uh, in the chain, um, in, in the recording chain. Now, the nice thing about living in 2019 is that even cheap interfaces are really good at converting audio. Um, and I would almost, I would almost argue that when you're, when you're paying a premium for an interface, you're not so much paying for quality conversion anymore because I think the conversion part's the easy part. What you're paying for is maybe better preamps maybe b mm. better preamp emulation and more features. So maybe we could debate on that a little bit, but um, I did have some recommendations. Well, I'll go with your thoughts first, uh, Vadim, and then we can get into maybe some of our recommendations for interfaces. Sure. So the big one of the biggest things to consider here is how many preamps do you need, right? So Yeah, it's a huge one. Yeah, when you think about that, it's it really comes down to how many channels do you plan on recording simultaneously. So, for example, if you're going to be recording a drum kit, you know, that's a minimum of four preamps, probably, what do you use, Ben? Probably more than that, right? For when I record drums? Yeah, how many, how many channels are you using? So me personally, I like 14 mics. It's kind of my sweet spot. I mean, right you, could always, so you could always use more. That's the thing, like you, you can always <laughs> put more on a drum set, but it adds up really quickly because I have two kick drum mics, two snare mics, a mic on every tom, overheads, two room mics, two room mics, sometimes three. Sometimes I'll even put a third mic on the snare. So it just adds up really quickly. Absolutely. And as you, as you get into close miking toms, the channels add up. So if you're going to be recording a drum kit, you're going to need a high number of preamps, a high number of, uh, you know, high channel count. On the other hand, if you're just a singer-songwriter and all you're doing is playing an acoustic guitar and singing, two channels might be enough for you, right? So you got yeah. to consider that first. Is like, and, and try to future-proof yourself a little bit. And don't just think about what you're doing for this project. Think about what am I going to want to do a year from now? So that's one thing is how many preamps do you need? And, and one tricky thing to keep in mind here, because I know I was kind of surprised by this when I was first starting out, a lot of times interfaces will be billed as having, let's say, 18 inputs. That does not mean that interface has... 18 preamps. Yeah. Right. It just means that it's capable of handling a total of 18 inputs through daisy chaining other preamps in. So it's really important to look at actually how many preamps are on there because that tells you how many microphones or instruments you can plug directly into it. Right. Right. Um, and they'll be sneaky about it too because some of those inputs are actually line level inputs. And I can't think of a line level input off the top of my head other than a keyboard. So you would almost have to convert. You would almost have to convert uh, other signal level into line level if you wanted to do that. Yeah, that's that's true. I could think. I mean, also like if you're using an amp modeler, that could be line level. Or if you're coming direct out of a like a guitar preamp, 
Oh, that's true. Yeah, they do have uh, so, line level stuff for that too. Yeah, there could be some line level stuff, but yeah, the bottom line is just just be aware of that. It's not. It's a little. I guess it's a little misleading, right? So is what yeah, I would say. It can be. So, Another thing to think about too, whenever you're choosing the amount of preamps that you want, is uh, two things. One, think about well, what do I need to record at the same time? The thing about drums is you need to record all the parts at the same time to capture that performance, mm. but. Uh, let's say you're just a singer-songwriter and maybe you don't even have like a full drum set or if you do want a full drum set you're just going to put in like uh, a virtual instrument of a of a drum set or maybe you're outsourcing your drumming to another studio or another recording engineer to do that work um, but a lot of a lot of the things that you might want to do you can think about doing in in multiple uh, overdubs so you might only need those two inputs. Absolutely. That's a good point. It's how many simultaneous inputs are you going to be recording? Exactly. Exactly. One more consideration here that we talked about before we started the episode is what type of digital connection do you want to use? And this is going to depend in part on what your computer has. Right? So there's USB, there's Thunderbolt, there's uh, different connection types, and they're not all created equal. So do a little bit of research there. But if you have an existing computer, start with understanding what ports are available to you. And there's a quick, I mean, most computers, Thunderbolt is becoming more and more popular, I would say, but most computers still have USB, or if you're on a Mac, they might still have Firewire or something like that. There's a, the easy distinction between USB 2 and USB 3 is that USB 3.0 has, it looks blue on the inside, like the little plastic piece is blue. So you can tell that pretty quickly. And um, I did actually find a little bit of an explanation here, Ben, while, while we were talking on uh, what you were mentioning on USB 2.0 versus USB 3.0 and there not being much of a latency difference. And that's, so that's actually true. So USB 3.0 can actually, it can transfer more uh, or larger packets of data, let's say, but the round trip time is not that much faster. And the analogy that I saw used that I kind of like is if you can imagine you're a delivery truck driver. And so USB 3.0 is you got a bigger truck, but it still takes you the amount, the same amount of time to get from mm. point A to point B. So in other words, you can do more channels of audio, but your latency is not going to be uh, much improved. Yeah, and latency latency can become a big deal. I would say mostly if you are somebody who's adding a lot of, let's say, special effects in your music, or you have a lot of virtual instruments or a lot of plugins running. That's super CPU intensive, and I run into problems pretty often towards the end of a session where I'll have to actually bounce down some of the virtual instrument software into actual audio parts and all all that that means is essentially i'm taking the recorded um or i'm taking the software parts that are programmed and are being processed live and i'm saying okay let's print that down like a performance almost like the virtual instrument is recording itself and i'm capturing that so then it's only just an audio file being read back um so i run into that problem and i have a USB 2 interface. So I know that my next upgrade is going to be a Thunderbolt. It's so much faster. It's almost that it's almost like latency isn't even a problem anymore for, for Thunderbolt, although it's yeah. much more expensive. <laughs> yeah. Thunderbolt is, um, 
especially Thunderbolt 3, is ridiculously fast, ridiculously low latency. It almost makes it latency is, is no longer a thing. And right now, actually, there's a really weird thing that's happened where uh, I would say the audio interface market, the manufacturers are a bit ahead of consumers here. So you could, you're starting to see a lot of interfaces that are Thunderbolt compatible. And there's not that many people yet with computers that are Thunderbolt compatible. So there's this crazy thing right now where you can actually buy certain interfaces cheaper with uh, Thunderbolt connection than with a USB 3 connection uh, because there's just a higher demand for USB 3. So if you're able to, if your computer has Thunderbolt or you're able to upgrade to a computer with Thunderbolt, it's a, it's a good time to, uh, to go with a Thunderbolt interface. Uh, final comment before we get into recommendations. Uh, even though we are <laughs> big fanboys of Thunderbolt and really want <laughs> Thunderbolt, which interfaces. I don't have, by the way, I I still I'm, I have a USB three interface right now. Okay, um, I, I'm sure that we both would love a Thunderbolt <laughs> if we could, if we could have one. Yeah. But with that being said, I totally can get by with my USB two, and I record with it all the time, and it works great. So. I just wanted to say that caveat that even though that's what I want, it's not what I need. I can still get by with the USB 2. It works great. Most of the time, it's not a problem, especially if I'm just like I can record, um, you know, 16 mics at the same time with plugins on it and not have an issue with latency. So don't let that stop you. Just to clarify, when you say latency, we mean that. When you let's say you're playing a guitar, when you play a chord, there's a split second difference between when you played it to when you hear it in your headphones. And a lot of interfaces get around that by having a direct monitoring mode. What that does is it basically routes the preamp outputs directly back to your headphones. So it doesn't make the audio do the round trip to the computer and then back to the interface. It just kind of short circuits it so that you can hear yourself with no latency while you're recording. And that's, uh, that's a nice feature. Yeah, that is a nice feature. Okay, let's get into some recommendations now. Go for um, it. So I have three tiers. Let's start with the intro level tier. You've never done recording before. You want to get into it, or you don't have any gear and you want to get started. Uh, my recommendation is the PreSonus. Now, I have to say this first. I'm a little bit of a PreSonus fanboy, so I do gravitate towards that gear. So just want to be clear, clear and out there about it. You don't have to love PreSonus as much as I do, but I do like it. Um, <clears throat> so I have quite a bit of PreSonus gear, and this is the first um, this is the first interface that I ever had. It worked great. It helped introduce me to the DAW that I use now, which is Pre PreSonus uh, Studio One. Uh, but I recommend their AudioBox USB. It's a two-channel two interface. It's a hundred dollars on um, Amazon, Sweetwater. Pretty much anywhere you can get it brand new for $100. Uh, comes with dual XLR TRS inputs. So XLR is the microphone and, and TRS is the instrument. So you can plug your instrument right into either of those and it can uh, handle that audio. Uh, it also has a phantom power button. So if you have a condenser microphone that needs phantom power, you can click that and you'll have power to your um uh, to your microphone. Um, the other really nice thing about this, and I didn't realize how much of an awesome feature this is until I actually sold it and I didn't have it anymore and it became a pain. <laughs> but when I'm doing podcasts like in person and a lot of times I'm taking my laptop with me, 
And the less things that I have to have plugged in, the better. And the awesome thing about this uh, AudioBox USB interface is that it's USB powered. So it's powered from the same USB cable that plugs into your computer. And that's super nice to have, um, to not have another uh, wall outlet or extension cable that you need to plug in your interface. So it's just a portability feature that I like. Uh, it has a speaker outputs, so you can plug that into monitors or also a headphone output as well. And it also has a MIDI input, which can be cool if you're doing virtual instruments um, or plugging. Really? It's got MIDI input. That's, it's got that MIDI input cool. in it too, which is pretty cool. And the other feature about it that I really like is it comes with a Studio One artist version. So mm. I think which is the $50 version of a professional DAW Studio One. So it has some limitations, but it can get you started. And at least even if you don't wind up choosing uh, Studio One as your DAW of choice, it can still get you into recording and, and getting used to that recording language and, and seeing what an actual recording program looks like. And it comes with a plug-in suite, so you can mess around with that too. So that's my recommendation. Yeah, that that's a good one. I I do like that. I I see Personas comes with uh with with the DAW, which is nice. I would say my I kind of have a similar experience. The first interface I ever bought back in I don't remember when it was two thousand six or something like that, or sometime around then, was a uh, Focusrite Scarlet two i two, which is in a similar class. It's uh, two inputs, two outputs, um, and I still have it. And I, I do, I don't do a lot of mobile recording, but yeah, for stuff where I just want to uh, record some, some uh, like a podcast or or whatever else, I do like those features about it. That it's very portable. It's powered off of the USB uh, connection, and the preamps I would say on that are very clean. So they're great for for dialogue. Some people say they're a little too crystal clean for for uh, like getting a nice vocal sound, but honestly, those are, they're nice. They're nice preamps. They're good signal to noise ratio, low noise floor, and you can definitely get by those. I think those go for like 160 bucks now new. And um, I think they're on like the third generation or something like that. So they've I think, made small I think you're right. Over, over the, over the way. Yep. All right. What's your next level? Uh, I'm going to recommend what I have now. This is what I would call mid tier. Um, and this is at $500 brand new, but the Focusrite 18 I 20, which is the interface that I'm, I'm using right now. Although I have the generation two and they're up to generation three mm. now. Um, so that comes with, that has eight XLR inputs and those are the microphone inputs, uh, two instrument inputs like you have with the other presonus, uh, with the one I mentioned before the audio box, um, the nice thing is it's got uh, two pads on the first two mics. So if you have an input, let's say a drum set, something that's really loud, you can push those 10 dB pads on it. That's nice. Uh, it's expandable up to 16 inputs through ADAT, which is um, kind of a dated connection system, but you can basically daisy chain uh, another essentially interface to it uh, and have 16 inputs instead of just your eight. Uh, it also comes with two headphone inputs, and and that really sold me on this tier level because this was when I first started getting into uh, recording other people, and I wanted to be able to have another 
headphone inputs so I could be sitting there with the person I was recording and we could both be monitoring what we were listening to. So that's another thing to keep in mind when you're looking at interfaces is that if you only have one headphone input and you want to be doing recording, uh, you're either going to have to buy a monitor station, which is an additional purchase, but a lot of these interfaces at that level come with two headphone inputs. So that's a nice feature too. What's your recommendation? Yeah, I do like the 18i20. I did use that for a long time and I still I still have it kicking around. Um, my my mid-tier recommendation would be, uh, and this is like mid to high tier, I would say, but I really like the Universal Audio Apollo Twin. It's a little bit pricier, but it's got some cool features that um, that are very useful in a recording situation. The big one is that it has onboard processing power. So you can actually run plugins. You can you can record through their plugin suite with pretty low latency because it doesn't it does the processing right in the interface rather than having to send the audio to your computer first. And even though it's a little bit pricier, it's got great sounding preamps and it comes with a plugin bundle with mm. uh, some classic gear emulations. So what you can do, for example, in an analog studio, you would plug your microphone into a preamp and then maybe into like a, a classic compressor like an LA-2A or something like that. So this gives you the ability to to simulate that compressor digitally. And um, it's a nice feature if you are if you like to record with effects going in, which I'm sure we'll talk about in a, in a different episode here. Uh, this is the one where I was saying where like I'm looking on Amazon right now. So the the Thunderbolt version, Mark II, for the two-channel, the Duo, it's $800. Okay. But the USB 3 version is $900, right? So Dang. <laughs> it's, a weird, uh, it's a weird effect. I'm sure that, that uh, discrepancy won't last forever. No, I'm sure it won't. And I'm also curious to see what your pro level or your, your third tier, <laughs> top tier interface would be because I was debating between the Apollo Twin and this other interface I'm going to mention as my top tier. So I'm, I'm curious to hear what you have. But I'm going to go with, since you already picked that one, I'm going to go with my top tier being the Presonus Quantum, which is a Thunderbolt interface. It retails for $1,000, uh, features Thunderbolt connectivity. Now, it similarly to the mid-tier that I mentioned, it has eight inputs, but here's here's the trick to it it can be expandable up to 32 inputs if you daisy chain them all together which is a big deal for me because running a professional space and i like to record a full drum set and i like uh i like recording a band live if i can and the more inputs that i can have the better and with a lot of those mid-tier level ones especially the usb2 uh, with ADAT connection, you can't infinitely daisy chain uh, ADAT together. It maxes out at uh, 16. And then you can do another um, SP, whatever, SPDIF or whatever that other connection is and add an additional two. So you're maxing out at absolutely 18 total. Whereas uh, with, I think it's a lot of Thunderbolt interfaces are like this, but I know the Personas Quantum can do 32. Uh, some other cool things that it can do is it has digitally digitally controlled gain and effects. So your gain level on um, on your actual interface is digitally controlled instead of controlled by knobs, which can be useful if you're in a different room 
um, trying to get tones or whatever, you can bring up your iPhone or iPad and adjust the gain level instead of having to walk back into the room, which I definitely oh, could use. Cool. Yeah, very cool. So what's your top tier? Yeah, I didn't really have a top tier, but if pressed, I, um, I, um, I would go with the new Universal Audio Apollo, like the X8P or something like that, mm. which is in terms of preamp count it's and all that, it's similar to the 18i20 uh, that you described. It's got eight onboard preamps. But again, I just really like that universal audio system with their uh, the onboard processing and the the flexibility that you get with that. Those things are, are really pricey and probably outside of uh, most people's price range, yeah. including my own. Um, but yeah, they just look really cool when you read about them. Plus, uh, <laughs> yeah, anyway. <laughs> they're, worth, they're worth mentioning though, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's it's worth mentioning just to kind of know. I think in an industry that changes so much, it's nice to know like what the state of the art is, right? I think that's, yes. that's kind of where it's at right now. Yeah, I agree. Okay, moving on to topic three. Um, this is going to be the next step in the digital recording chain, uh, and that would be our DAW or digital audio workstation. So, which DAW should you pick? Which DAW should you use? Uh, I use Presonus Studio One, like I've mentioned before. A lot of the reason for that is because I kind of learned on it. That's not exactly true. I actually learned on Cakewalk Pro. That doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> uh, but that's kind of where I got into it. And I moved over to Studio One because it came free with my interface. And it actually looks and felt really similar to Cakewalk Pro. And after debating for a long time, man, Pro Tools is, you know, that's industry standard. I just decided to stick with Studio One because for the same reason, like we talked about PC versus Mac, a lot of the um, industry standard stuff is just hearsay. It's just because it's kind of the f one of the first ones that came along and people just got comfortable with it and, and just started using it. But there's really not, there are little differences between each DOM, but all of them can basically do the same things. So your thoughts on that, Vadim? Yeah, I, I agree. It's a similar discussion as with computers. It's like, do you, no, no, you know, nobody looks at a piece of furniture and wonders what brand hammer the carpenter used, right? Is there yeah. all tools and you use what you're comfortable with? So I use Pro Tools. Uh, it's a funny story, actually. My, uh, my brother-in-law, who's an awesome guitar player, uh, but he's also an accountant, by day he used to be an accountant for avid and so he would get these these awesome discounts so <laughs> i picked up pro tools a few years back and um i've been using it ever since and i, I don't see a real reason to switch uh, but that said uh, you know some of the questions you want to ask yourself are like are you going to be collaborating with people who are already using a specific daw right that may make collaboration easier um, are you going to be working mostly in the box, so mixing mostly on your computer, or are you planning on using a lot of outboard gear? Uh, Pro Tools is very convenient to use with outboard gear, but more and more people are mixing in the box, and that may not be a huge driving factor for you. Um, and yeah, I would say really not much to add to what you said, Ben. I think they all can, they all can get you there, especially in, when we're talking about recording. Another one that is worth looking at whether you're on Mac or PC is Reaper. Uh, Reaper is pretty popular even in professional circles. It's there's a free trial version I think that lasts for 60 days, 
and it's really cheap to buy. It's like 60 bucks to buy the full version. It's highly customizable. Like you can really customize the, uh, the user interface. And from what I've seen of it, the editing features are really great. Um, I think if I was looking f- to try a new DAW, uh, that's probably one of the first ones I would consider. That's a good recommendation. I've heard a lot of people say that. So if you're looking to get into one, I'd say check out Reaper. All right, guys. Well, that is going to wrap it up for this episode. But stay tuned because next week we have a lot of great stuff for you. What are some things we're going to talk about next week? Uh, we, we have all the exciting stuff next week to look forward to. So <laughs> right. <laughs> this week we got done just kind of getting out of the way all the like um, the brain stuff that that your computer needs to be doing to run all the fun stuff. Uh, so the fun stuff is microphones, headphones, speakers, uh, all the things that that are fun to play around with. And the, the cool thing about those topics are that there's, there's not one necessarily solution for um, everything. There's a lot of variety in this. So I'm excited to see what you talk about and, and, and what, well, what your recommendation is versus my recommendation, essentially. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, this week we, we built the house, like the, we, we poured the foundation for the house yeah. And, and put up the studs and some drywall. And then next week we get to actually like pick some furniture and uh, some wall colors. Right. <laughs> That's a great way of putting it too, because the foundation for a house is always going to be the same. Yeah. Because yeah. We, and it's important. It's definitely important, but sometimes it's more, yeah, we, next week we, uh, we actually get to talk about some different microphone options, uh, what you guys may want to consider in your studios. So I'm looking forward to that. All right, man. So we'll see we'll see you uh, next week, all you listeners, for another episode of the DIY Recording Guys podcast. All right, and as always, we remind you to check yourself before you wreck yourself. If you're enjoying the podcast, take a minute to leave a rating wherever you like to listen to it or share it with your friends on social media. Also, Benjamin and I are working engineers and we love helping people turn ideas into finished productions. So if you're interested in working with one of us or just want to discuss a project you're working on, reach out. You can find my work at columnfrogrecording.com. Get me on Instagram at columnfrogrecording or shoot me an email, vk at columnfrogrecording.com. And you can check Benjamin's workout at dreamloudstudio.com. Hit him up on Instagram at dreamloudstudio or by email, ben at dreamloudstudio.com. And finally, join our Facebook group to engage with a whole group of friendly, like-minded people who are interested in DIY recording. Just search for DIY Recording Guys on Facebook. Thank you so much for listening and for your continued support. I'll see you next week.